The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. We remain completely committed to our mission to go for growth. But growth requires confidence and stability, which is why we are taking many difficult decisions starting today. That was Britain's finance minister, Jeremy Hunt, rowing back on his predecessor's unfunded tax cuts that sparked a debt crisis in the UK. The political drama that is currently unfolding is the focus of this week's Views Room. Welcome back to the Views Room, the podcast from Reuters Breaking Views, where columnists from around the world talk about the big stories of the week. I'm your host, Amy Donlan, coming to you from London. Last Friday, Britain's finance minister, Kwasi Kwartain, was forced out after investors took fright over his plans to roll out a mammoth energy support package and reduce taxes on the wealthiest Britons, as well as corporations. But there's a new sheriff in town now. Jeremy Hunt has taken the financial reins of Britain and is pouring cold water on Prime Minister Liz Truss's growth plans. After such a humiliation, can Truss survive? What does the new plan mean for Britain's government debt? And are there any radical solutions to this political instability? Stay tuned as I speak to Peter Tal Larson, global editor of Breaking Views, and my colleague Neil Unmack to find out. Another tumultuous week in the UK, this time the drama moving from the gilt market to British politics. Uh, last Friday, Kwasi Kwartein, the country's finance minister, was handed his marching orders by Prime Minister Liz Truss. And he seemed like he basically he had to go. He had come up with this mini budget, a bunch of unfunded tax cuts that spooked the market. And he was replaced by Jeremy Hunt. And first of all, I suppose, let's let's find out from Peter, who obviously knows Peter Tal Larson is with me the uh, head of Breaking Views. What are your thoughts on Jeremy Hunt? What do you know of him? Um, well, we know that he was um, he was a candidate for the leadership. Um, he was he was a minister. He'd been a minister for quite a long time. I think 10 out of the last 12 years or something like that of, of Tory government. Um, he was quite associated with the Cameron government, which which pushed through a lot of spending cuts. He was a candidate for the leadership against Boris Johnson. He was the, the runner-up in that race. He ran again for the leadership in in July um, and um, got knocked out in the first round. And interestingly, his main campaign sort of message when he ran for the leadership was that Britain should be reducing its corporate tax rate from 25% to 15%. And obviously his first action as Chancellor on Friday was to announce that the corporation tax would actually go up to 25% as previously planned. So, I mean, what, what you can really say about Hunt is that he's, I think there's two things about him. One is that he's sort of, he's a bit more of a sort of technocrat, sort of mainstream person than quasi quoting than the sort of radicals that Liz Truss had, had promised that Liz Truss had put around her. And the second thing is that he is one of the few people who probably actually wants the job at this particular moment. And as a result, he's extremely powerful because he has just jumped Liz Truss's entire platform for government. He's not just, he's not only jumped all of her, almost all of her tax cuts, he also dramatically reduced the, uh, the, the, the energy handout that she announced, which was arguably her one positive achievement in, in, in a month and a bit in office. Um, so he's now, she's a lame duck, and he is, I think, in theory, you know, unremovable at this point. He can do more or less whatever he wants. Yes. I mean, it was it was interesting, obviously, and, and almost humorous to hear 
what he said when he when he made his speech on on Friday, which was basically we're getting rid of everything that the government announced, you know, less than a month ago. Yeah, I'm here with Neil Unmack as well, um, who obviously looks very much into the death side of things at Breaking Views, among other things. Uh, Neil, what was the reaction? What's been the reaction of the debt market, which is what everyone has been really kind of mm. looking closely at over the past few weeks with, you know, bond yields spiking up with concern over yeah. obviously how the UK is going to balance its books? Well, the debt markets have stabilised quite a bit in the last last week. And we'll say that's partly because the Bank of England did increase uh, the step up purchases and Andrew Bailey was exhausting the um, pension funds that were over leveraged to sell off their holdings and to raise cash. And that sort of process seems to have been working working its way through. Obviously, with the, the new uh, changes that Hunt made to the budget, the, the market has recovered quite a lot following that as well. So bond yields have fallen, and that's really the market saying, good, well done, the government's not going to spend too much money, and, and we feel a lot safer about that. So that's, um, to some degree, the, the most severe stresses are now sort of working their way out. You know, in certain parts of the yield curve, the UK bond yields, for example, are lower than America, America's, whereas they have been higher. So that is a sign that the market is a bit less scared and thinks that the Bank of England will not be forced to raise rates in quite such a chaotic way as they thought it would have to. But I would say, I mean, there's a lot still not not yet resolved, right? I mean, you know, so they've they've unwound some of the tax cuts, but not all of them. There's, you know, roughly uh, uh, 15, 20 billion pounds of, of, of tax cuts that are going through the system. And and the other thing that's happened is that the, sort of the fiscal picture has got worse, partly because the debt cost of borrowing for the government has gone up. So depending on whose numbers you use, you know, there could be, the, the government could need to find another 20, 30, even possibly 40 billion pounds in higher taxes or spending cuts to, to sort of get itself back onto the trajectory that it was before. So that's a big question. How's he going to do that? That we'll find out, I would believe, at the end of October. But then the other big question is is the politics of this, which is actually, is this package uh, that, 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 that Hunt is going to come up with, is it actually politically deliverable? Will the Conservatives in Parliament agree to this? Are they, going to, are they really going to go and t- turn around to their, to, their, to their voters and say, oh, we promised you a load of tax cuts, but now here we are a couple of months later actually saying we've all got to tighten our belts and, and, and rein in spending. So, so that's... The immediate question, and then the long-term question was, are the voters going to go for this on the current polls as we sit here on a Tuesday afternoon in London, um, with Liz Truss still at the moment being Prime Minister, although that could change at any moment. On the current polls, Labour is 30 percentage points ahead of, of most in most polls of, of the Conservatives, which means not just a defeat, but a catastrophic defeat for the Conservatives were there to be an election. Yes. So that's the real question. Is, is if, if, if that situation does not improve, then you will see still lots of turmoil and, and, and sort of infighting among the Conservative Party as they try to come up with something that they think can make their electoral prospects slightly better. And on that, um, you mentioned a few things there, Peter, but I, I thought one interesting thing that happened, obviously, was, was Jeremy Hunt was saying about the energy support package, which was actually one of the very popular things that they did, certainly among the public, mm. which was to provide sort of a cap on how much people were going to have to spend on energy, which is a big concern. Um, but he actually reversed quite a bit of that. And even the market seemed sort of comfortable with that ahead of the mini budget that was already, already pretty well flagged. But then to say that that's only going to cover six months... I thought that was also an interesting thing because you then also, you don't really have the yeah. public on side 
with or, that with that key sort of or change bi- or business. Or you know, business. Yeah, it's a risky move because in six months' time, you know, that will have a negative consequence on the economy. It will also mean that inflation is higher, which means the Bank of England may need to may need to act. Yeah, it's a difficult mess, but I, I think actually, I, I think I think they did the right thing by by pulling back a bit on that. I mean, just to recap, what what the what quasi quoting the previous chancellor, uh, the, the third of four chancellors that Britain has had in the last five months, that what he did was he basically said he he delivered this kind of open ended commitment that said that the government would cap the retail costs, unit costs of energy for retail users, for two years. Which, when you think about it, is really the government saying, okay, we're willing to pay the wholesale price above this level, whatever it is, for two years. So you've essentially then hitched your, your fiscal policy to a, a you know, a, an, unknown. an unknowable um, thing, and that could cause a lot of problems. And then there was also a similar sort of shorter commitment to, to also to help businesses. And, and the thing about that is that it's, it's, a, it's fiscally quite risky. Um, particularly when the pound is going down and you're buying energy from abroad. Um, but it's also um, not very equitable because when you think about it, you're, you're subsidising people regardless of their ability to pay fuel bills. And so what the IMF and everybody has been saying all along during this crisis is that you should be subsidising energy bills, but you should be doing so in a targeted way towards those people who are the most vulnerable, the people who need it most. So I suspect, so, so he's now brought that back for six months. I suspect what will come afterwards will be something that will be more targeted towards people who, you know, poorer people who, who, who feel the pinch most from higher fuel bills. But the politics of it is still really messy because, as you say, it's going to people, the people who are going to end up paying the higher fuel bills will also come next spring be paying higher mortgage costs. And some of these people are traditional conservative supporters and they will not be happy. But also the, the other two big gaps in the trust energy policy was the failure to, infer, to impose a meaningful windfall tax on utilities and the failure to really ration energy demand, which both of which she objected to on bizarre libertarian grounds, whereas every other country in Europe has done those things or tried to do those things. So far, Hunt hasn't yet fully embraced those, although he's kind of inching his way towards them, perhaps. So that's something we need to see. Well, we just have to assume that everything that's been announced by the trust government so far that hasn't already been reversed could be reversed. And every commitment she made when she was campaigning, no new taxes, all that kind of stuff, you have to assume that's all potentially out of the window. Absolutely. And I mean, Peter, you had a very interesting idea yourself today about where we could be headed. You mentioned the lame duck, Liz Truss. Uh, What kind of leader, (laughs) in a sort of fantasy way, could we think might work for the UK now that we are being the UK is being compared sometimes to Greece and Italy in terms of the volatility of its of its government bond market? Well, I, yeah, I sort of wrote a piece, and essentially I'm just making the point that you know if you think about Greece and Italy, which is obviously not the way British politicians normally think about themselves, they normally look at America and say we're more like that. But but you know this is quite similar to a sort of Greek Italian types of crisis. You know, discipline being imposed by external actors in this case the financial markets. And what those countries have done in the past uh, is is basically put non-politicians in charge. Um, you have, you know, it's called technocratic government. You appoint a former central banker or someone, a sort of credible figure. A Mario Draghi in Italy. A Mario Draghi, or before him, Mario Monti, the former commissioner, someone who's not elected, but, but sort of is a credible figure. You put them in charge, they assemble a cabinet, they get a majority in parliament, and they agree to govern for a period of time until the crisis has sort of abated. Um, 
And, um, you know, it's probably not a terrible idea for uh, Britain to start thinking about this. We've had four, Brit four prime ministers in short succession, each of which has been a bigger failure than the previous one, I think it's fair to say. Um, we're now, there's now an active debate within the Conservative Party about installing another prime minister chosen from the Conservative Party. Um, uh, so, you know, that, that in itself could be problematic. And so, actually, if you're, if you're going to parachute someone in, maybe you should look to, you know, there's, there's former central bank governors, there's, there's retired senior civil servants, there are a couple of former European commissioners knocking around who could, who could take charge for a bit. Uh, retired business leaders even do it, dare I say. Quite a lot of them are already in the House of Lords, so technically they're already in Parliament. You could sort of put them in charge. Um, uh, it's obviously something Britain's never really done before, but um, maybe not a bad model to consider given the mess that the, uh, the current system has made of things. Yes, well, change is afoot. I think we could probably rely on that. So uh, we'll, three of us, hopefully chat again in the next few weeks, and who knows, a new Prime Minister, a technocrat, you never know. Thanks, Thanks very much. Thanks, Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was produced by Thomas Shum in Hong Kong and Oliver Tashlich in London. Subscribe to The Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on Acast, Megaphone, or wherever you like to listen. Check out our latest views on these stories and many others at breakingviews.com and on Twitter, where our handle is at breakingviews.